So today we have in the studio with us Michelle Garrigan from Bank of America. Michelle, welcome. Thank you, Lifin. Thanks for having me. Michelle, you have such an interesting background. In the previous episodes, I would have interviewed a lot of ladies who started their career in IT or even computer science, but you have a degree in archaeology. Yes. So <laughs> tell me, how did an archaeologist become an information security officer with one of the biggest banks in the world today? Yeah. Um, it's true to say that my career hasn't exactly always taken the, the most direct route. And I think um, if anybody had said to me about 15 years ago that I'd end up working in information security, I would have laughed because uh, I definitely think I would have thought at that time that I was the, the least technical person in the room. But um, yeah, I, I left uh, secondary school, did an arts degree because I 16 years of age. How could I possibly know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life? Uh, chose archaeology and history of art because they were subjects that I was genuinely interested in and finished the degree and graduated from University College Dublin here. And um, yeah, I went into working in archaeology. I was working on the sites. Um, there was a lot of road building at the time in Ireland and there was great demand for archaeologists. But um, anybody listening who is familiar with the weather in Ireland and will know that the weather isn't exactly great and being an archaeologist isn't um, the same as what it looks like on the TV. Plus um, that coupled with the, the transient lifestyle of an archaeologist didn't really suit me as a person. So I quickly realised that, you know, long term a career in archaeology wasn't exactly, it wasn't going to work out. So I decided to do what I always said I wouldn't do, um, which was go and work in a bank. And I joined Ulster Bank and I started off as a cashier in Ulster Bank um, serving their customers in their branch network and moved around a number of different roles in Ulster Bank, uh, working within retail banking, then moving into wealth management um, and then finally working in their corporate banking area. So I was responsible for managing their online cash management product for their corporate customers, um, which was really, really interesting at the time. And I guess with each role that I moved through in Ulster Bank, I, I learned new skills each time. I embraced the change and, you know, I always you know, took those skills with me to the next role. But it was in corporate banking that I, I actually realized there was this whole world called information security um, that just really grabbed my attention. And you know, from there on in, I just felt like all I wanted to do was work in information security. So I started kind of thinking to myself, you know, how do I make this happen? How do I um, make this dream a reality for myself. There was lots of things going through my head at the time. You know, was I too old to change my career? You know, how would I continue to meet my financial commitments if I had to take a pay cut? Um, who would even hire me? Because I didn't know anything about information security, but I knew that I had the desire to learn. And I knew that if I didn't try and follow the dream and make it reality, I'd just live to regret it. And so when you first knew about information security, this must have been a few years into your career. Yeah, at that stage, like I was, I had 15 years um, in 
financial services experience built up behind me. So that was like one of the main kind of concerns at the time was, you know, why am I throwing 15 years of job security away? And, And when I did decide to make the leap to information security, I went to work in a startup of all things. <laughs> so it was the exact opposite of the environment that I had been accustomed to over the previous 15 years. Mm-hmm. What was it about information security that got you hooked on it? I guess um, at the time, what I observed was that there wasn't a great awareness in Ireland um, around the risks and the dangers of of um, cyber. So, you know, it was at a time where people were starting to use online banking platforms, but weren't quite aware of the risks. So um, for me, managing the, the cash management product for the corporate customers, I realized that we were giving this payments functionality to customers who might not necessarily understand the risks. So I felt like a a huge sense of social and corporate responsibility to make these customers aware of the risks that they were exposed to. And at the same time, the a number of banks were being targeted by social engineers. So when I say social engineers, I mean, you know, hackers who are trying to get personal information from customers so that they can log on to their banking platforms and and steal their money effectively. So I needed to try and find ways in which to try and mitigate that risk and try and help people. So I started a number of different um, training and awareness sessions with corporates and personal customers, and they were really successful. And the customers were genuinely appreciative to, you know, get this kind of training because they hadn't been aware of the dangers. And um, then also I led a number of technical projects. So I sat down and, and looked at the, the platform itself and looked at where the, the defences were weak. And with the technical teams, I worked with them to deliver some extra projects to make it more secure. Through all of that work, I realised that's that's it. I got bitten by the cyber bug and, mm-hmm. and I wanted to work in information security. So it really was an accidental move into security, but at the same time, it was intentional in many ways that you knew you wanted to do something about security before leaving Bank, right? You got involved with the sort of training and awareness programs before moving on to the startup. Would that be right? Yeah, I did. Um, So I was edging my way into it Mm -hmm. whilst working a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So this was at the side of my desk that I was, I was doing the extra stuff to try and and get into information security. Like, unfortunately at the time there was no internal opportunities in Mm -hmm. the company that I was in. Um, so I had to look for opportunities externally. Um, but I was prepared to do anything that it took to actually get my foot in the door. And let's talk a little bit about training and awareness, because that's something that I know you're really passionate about. Why is it so important to you? I think um, for me, like training and awareness is really simple because technology does what we tell it to do. Our people can either be our biggest asset or our greatest weakness. Um, so for me, it's really important that 
each company looks at its talent, looks at um, the awareness across its its organization and really invests in educating people. Um, because if I was a, in the mind of an attacker and I was targeting an organization of two and a half thousand people, then for me, that's two and a half thousand doors that I can get into. And as an attacker, I'm just going to keep on knocking on each of those doors. So it's really important from a company perspective to make sure that there's really strong awareness, a really strong security culture um, within our organizations. And, you know, when I say security culture, I mean, you know, the people will make the right decisions um, naturally, that it's it's just the way things are done. Um, they don't feel like it's um, a burden or an obstruction to make the right decision, that they actually do it naturally without thinking. And, and it just happens as a course of everyday business because that's the culture of the company. What's been a change that you've observed in yourself or the way you approach things since getting into cybersecurity? I guess since moving into information security, I'm far more aware of the different types of threats that are out there. Um, it's funny, like if I go out for a coffee um, where I work, I'm constantly looking around me to see if I was an attacker, like what kind of information could I get here? And, you know, generally you'll see staff from all the buildings congregating around. Everybody has their lanyards around their neck with their ID passes on them. It's quite clear to see what companies they work for. And if you're standing in the coffee queue next to them, you can probably even see their name. So, you know, they're kind of some of the things that you you see if, if I'm traveling in work, you know, if I even just taking the Lewis into town, you know, especially from where I work into the city centre, you hear people having conversations about what happened in work, giving out about X, Y and Z. And it's just amazing the amount of information that people give away so easily um, without even knowing it. So, uh, yeah, like next time you're wandering around town, you know, look around you and see what kind of information can I get if I was a potential hacker. Instead of thinking or seeing things as the end user, I suppose if you're trying to think of it as a potential attacker, it changes the way that you see information or things happening around you. Um, I'd like to touch a little bit on some of the awareness programs um, that you would have worked on previously from a customer perspective, right? Do you think that your background outside of security, do you think those background has really helped you in tailoring the sort of training programs and awareness programs that you've since rolled out to, you know, customers or consumers out there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, anybody thinking about a role in cybersecurity be forgiven for thinking that it's a really niche role and or niche area. Um, but in actual fact, like, cybersecurity actually suits people from many different disciplines. And I guess, you know, coming from a non-technical role, there was definitely skills that I was bringing to cybersecurity that possibly, you know, the more technical people out there didn't have. Um, so project management skills, I, I was able to to run projects easily without thinking about it because I had done so many in the past. Uh, communications, so being able to communicate at varying different levels. So, you know, whether I'm communicating to my customers or whether I'm communicating to the board or the executive team, being able to tailor the message for the audience that's receiving it and um, being able to translate what's sometimes a very technical problem 
into language that's accessible for everybody is a real skill in itself. Um, so, and I guess being able to inject some fun into the communication. So I, I'm naturally very creative, very visual person. And that comes from the, the archaeology and the art history. Um, so, you know, being able to bring some life to a communication means that the communication lands well and, and looking at different ways of communicating um, in terms of a problem as well. So we all just, we consume so much information through a variety of different means these days. Um, you know, making sure that we don't just deliver a message in one way and one way only, that we make sure that we replicate the message and we, um, we socialize it in a number of different ways. Um, I find that always really helps. And just acknowledging that people consume messages and consume information through different ways. Everybody favors a different method. Some people are more visual, some people favor, um, you know, listening. Um, so it's, it's just making sure that you cater to that. That's really important. I think, like you said, there are different people like myself. Well, because of the podcast, I'm now listening to a lot more podcasts. But in the past, I might have been a lot more visual. And if you had put out a podcast about information security before, I might have listened to it. I would have preferred to go the traditional visual route. So it's really good that, you know, you're catering to different parties. Um, and I also want to talk about what you're doing outside of work, because I know you're very involved with CyberSafe Ireland. Would you be able to share with us a little bit about this initiative? Yeah, um, CyberSafe Ireland is a great charity in Ireland. Um, I started working with them about three years ago. At the time, I was looking for a volunteer opportunity. Um, I'd started working in information security. I felt so fortunate to be able to work in an industry that I absolutely loved. And I was um, driving to work one day and I heard CyberSafe Ireland Cleaner giving an interview on the radio. And I just thought, wouldn't that be an amazing opportunity to get involved in that and see if I could help and, you know, just bring my skill set to the charity and see what we could do. So, yeah, I, I had a chat with them. Um, and the Cyber Ninja team was formed as a result. Um, so the Cyber Ninja team is a team of like-minded researchers in the background, and we support the educational program that CyberSafe Ireland deliver in schools. So they go into schools and they work with children and then they work with their parents to help them um, stay safe online, essentially. I mean, we all know the technology isn't going to go away. Our children are going to continue you to um, use technology more and more. So why not make sure that that's a positive experience for them and that they are able to engage with technology um, safely and securely. So the Cyber Ninja team in the background does a lot of research. Um, I lead the research team and we look at YouTubers, games, apps, just anything that the children are actually engaging with and interacting with. And we look for potential red flags um, I, that might be with those, might, that might come with those applications. Um, so we just flag that then through the materials because it's a, a huge amount of material available on the CyberSafe website um, through the resources section. And parents can go on and check in to see what apps should they be a little bit more cautious about. Um, I'm really fortunate that I work in the technology industry. 
I'm also a mother. I feel really passionate about keeping children safe online. I've seen the dangers, I've seen the risks. But there's parents out there that don't work in the technology industry and they have a full-time job and being a parent is also really, really busy too. So if I can do anything to try and help make their job a little bit easier, especially when it comes to keeping children safe online, then that's what I'm there for. So CyberSafe Ireland travels to different schools to provide a sort of, is it like a mini training program or just an awareness program for school kids? Yeah, like what's really interesting, every September their annual report comes out and they touch off certain topics around technology, what the kids are interacting with, um, what's the, I suppose, the uh, attitude towards technology, both from a teacher's perspective and a school's perspective and, and children's perspective. And what's really interesting is that not all schools have made it their policy to teach this um, um, to children in school. Um, teachers don't feel like they're equipped to give this type of advice or give this type of training in schools also. Um, so CyberSafe is there to run these educational programs for schools. Um, so they will go in, they will help upskill the teachers in this area um, and they will also work with the children and they do separate parent sessions as well um, to, to help parents understand the risks. But whilst the schools and teachers have a part to play, I do really still strongly believe that, you know, the, the responsibility sits with a parent at the end of the day. Like parents need to understand what their children are doing when they're online. They need to have the conversations with their kids uh, from a very, very early age because it's too late when your child is a teenager and you try to start setting down rules around technology. So the earlier you can do that, the better. Well, I was young enough when I got my first um, mobile phone. I was 10, but it wasn't connected to the internet back then. It wasn't, you know, Wi-Fi available anywhere. Um, and my parents didn't know anything about IT security. Um, it was really when I started my career in recruitment that I found out about the world of IT security. So what would be your advice to parents? You know, for anyone listening, they may not know if they're kids are currently engaged in a school where they're able to avail of services like CyberSafe Ireland, what is one piece of advice that you would give to parents that they could use today when they go home to their kids or even just to spread the word with their colleagues who might have children as well? Yeah, it's funny you should say that you were 10 when you got your phone. I was thinking to myself there, I was 17. <laughs> it was something that was given to you as an incentive by yeah. one of the local banks to open an account with All them when right. you started college. Um, so yeah, like I mean, it's a totally different world these days. And I have my seven-year-old at home asking me for a phone also. And it's something that I'm just not going to do at this moment in time. But in terms of parents, the, the best thing to do, as I say, is have the conversations with them. Make sure that there's a constant dialogue around technology. Um, one of the things that I really find with kids is that they they love to be the teacher. So sometimes if you adopt the role of, of the parent that doesn't really know much about technology, they, they're quite happy to talk away and share some of the stuff that they're doing. Um, but it's really important as well to talk about the risks and, you know, enjoy technology together. Sometimes one of the best things to do is actually sit down and play a game together. Um, 
it helps you understand what your child is doing, but it's also a way of spending some time together as well. Great advice, I must say, because I, I was thinking as well, if I do have a kid today, probably wouldn't give them an iPad or an iPhone, which I see a lot of kids, even in Singapore, that's become the norm where if you go out for a meal, you see a lot of kids just hooked on the iPad, just watching a video, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's become a really easy and convenient way to get them to be quiet. But there's so much more that we can do to change that. Um, but that's not what we're talking about here today. Um, you've recently taken on a new role with Bank of America here in Dublin. Tell us about this whole journey that you've been on so far and what do you enjoy the most about your current role? Yeah, so I suppose I've, I've been working in a number of different roles um, in security over the last number of years um, and just, you know, slowly but surely building up my um, my knowledge around security and um, also, you know, formalizing my technical knowledge. Also, I've gone back to college recently and I'm now studying part time too to bridge that gap between my, my non-technical skills and the technical knowledge that I need also. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I spent the, the last three years running um, a cyber and information security program for one of the local banks. And, you know, from there, like there's so many different roles within security. I mean, you can do technical role, you can do a non-technical role. Um, there's demand for both in the industry. It's not just technical. Um, so, you know, at a management level, you really do get the benefit of get an experience of the length and breadth of security. You're not just working on one domain within the within the framework. So I think, you know, that's been the biggest kind of learning and biggest experience that I've gotten is running a full program for information security. In terms of moving into the new role, um, I think the biggest change for me has just been getting used to a company the size of a Bank of America. Um, I try not to think about the size of it too often because <laughs> um, that would just scare me. Even um, when they offered me the role, I was really hesitant because your inner critic starts raising its head and, and yeah. you know, and you've just got to turn the, the voice of your inner critic down. You've got to turn up the voice of your inner champion and say, yeah, I can do this. Um, so the current role that I'm in now, I'm uh, the country information security officer for the bank. So what does that mean? Especially in Europe today, we're seeing an increased focus from the regulators around cyber risk. They're issuing some more prescriptive guidance. There's changes in regulation and legislation. And there's, there's a huge responsibility on companies and banks to make sure that they comply with those regulations. So the role that I play within Bank of America is you know, I make sure that the bank is compliant to the regulator's expectations locally and at a European level. And um, so, you know, a lot of my day is focused on, you know, what the regulator expects and what they want. What does it feel like working in a bank? Because, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people outside and of course, there are a lot of people who would be interested in the bank or banking environment working in the security function. But there will also be people who think it's quite a rigid structure. There's a lot of red tapes. It's very much compliance driven. How has your experience been? Yeah, that's that's really true. And, and it's um, it's a valid point, Cliff. And um, I think people, when they think about working in a bank, they think of a very stuffy, formal, conservative environment, 
maybe almost archaic and lacking in innovation. But, you know, in today's world, what I'm finding is it's a digitized economy that we're living in. And some of the big banks are actually as big as the tech companies themselves. You know, um, they are technology companies in their own right. So working in a bank offers a huge amount of diversity. It offers a huge potential for innovation because we're serving our customers at the end of the day. And in order to stay relevant, we've got to continuously innovate. And that's one of the things that really has attracted me to the role in Bank of America. They are now headquartered here in Dublin for Europe um, and their commitment to diversity and inclusion is really, really strong. And, and that was another reason what attracted me to the job. And I think it's because of that diversity within their workforce. That's what makes them so innovative. So they're looking looking at the customers, the business problems that we have, and they're hiring the talent that they need in order to solve those problems and serve those customers best. You touched on diversity and inclusion, a point where I think a lot of businesses don't really know where to start. From your experience, at least with um, Bank of America, what has been some of the programs that have been put in place that has really made that a success for the business? They really do value the talent that they have. Last year, they were actually the largest contributor to the U.S. Patents Office. Over 500 patents were lodged by Bank of America staff. So they really celebrate their staff and the ideas that their staff come up with and help bring them to life. And there's a huge ecosystem of networks in Bank of America. So locally within the Dublin campus, I support the Women in Technology and Operations Network, but there is other their uh, networks, a huge majority. So if you're working in Bank of America, there is a network there for you that you can get involved in, that you can mix with staff from other areas. And, you know, this is supported from the leadership team right down. So it's not something that the employees are trying to keep uh, momentum under themselves. The executives right up to the top get behind these networks and they celebrate the diversity among their, their teams. You brought up a really good point there. I think it's not just about trying to get a program in place, but rather changing the mindset, shifting the culture completely. And it has to come from the top down. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's going to be a very busy sort of 12 to 18 months or even beyond that, right? As you get started, now it's really the warm up phase and next you're going to really hit the ground running. And we look forward to a lot of work that you'll be doing with Bank of America. You've had a really sort of interesting career up until now. You know, you've worked across um, a few different firms in cybersecurity and information security. What's been, do you have any interesting stories that you can share with us since embarking on this journey in security? I guess when I look back on it, I have been really fortunate. I've taken every opportunity that's been given to me. I never say no because you just don't know what that might lead to. Um, so yeah, I, I worked with the start, a startup for a period of time. 
that was an amazing experience because with a startup, you just don't know what you're going to get. Every day is a different day. And I always likened it to nearly working on an episode of The Apprentice because you just didn't know what you were going to get when you walked in the door at nine o'clock in the morning. So that was an amazing opportunity and it really did give me a great grounding in information security. I've worked with a number of the domestic banks and I've gained so many skills there. And I've worked with some amazing people in the past and I continue to work with amazing people today. One of the things I love about Bank of America is you know, they're committed to making sure that they have the best tech, best talent. And I work alongside some absolute superstars now. So, you know, sometimes you just feel like pinching yourself when you're working alongside people who are ex-White House, ex-FBI. Almost feels like this is, you know, a TV show that you're on. Um, but it's been an amazing journey and I'm really excited to see what the next 12 months and what the next 18 months looks like for me because the the future just can only get better. And you have to give yourself credit as well that you took your career and your future in your hands quite literally to say, I'm interested in security and I want to get involved. And that's what you did, even though it wasn't your day job back then. Yeah. You got yourself involved and took steps that got you to where you are today. Yeah, I have a motto in life. A lot of people wait for their ships to come in. Well, for me, I'm always out in the water building my ship. So I really do maintain that if you don't ask, you will never get. And what is the worst thing that somebody can say to you? They could just maybe ignore you or they could say no. Um, so I, I really did just take my future in my hands and believed in myself. So hopefully anybody listening to this podcast can see that, you know, somebody coming from a non-technical background can develop a really successful career for themselves within security. Absolutely. It's it's not just about where you start, but how you position yourself to be best suited for the road that you're going for. Mm -hmm. I think this is saying that you have to be doing the job before you get the job. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I see, I see, I suppose, students in college and they've got all the academic knowledge, but there's a lot to be said for on the job learning and had some really good mentors in the past. And I continue to have mentors as well, which I access at every opportunity. If I'm stuck on a technical problem, I have people that I can go to. And similarly, you know, if it's a business problem, I have some really good mentors that give me some sound advice as well. And as a piece of parting advice to candidates who might be at the early phase of their security career or they might be looking to move into security but they might not have an opportunity um, internally like you did once. What would be one piece of advice that you would share with them? I think the thing that's really stood to me over the years is you know, making sure that my network was really strong and building my network in security. So when I was working in financial services, I had a really strong network of similar people with similar profiles. When I decided to take that leap into security, I started to build my security network. So, you know, that looked like just reaching out to people um, on LinkedIn or, you know, joining um, some meetups and trying to get to know people. I would have always said that I was I was terrible at networking, um, but I now realise that actually, as a nation, Irish people are actually really good at networking. Oh yes, um, they just <laughs> don't realise it because 
all it is is just a chat with someone. So we do that when we're in the lift with people um, every day. Or mm. if we meet somebody, you know, in the coffee shop, we have a chat with people. Um, so it, that's all that networking is. But I think when you put people into a room for one reason and they're told you need to go up and talk to people, I think the fear sets in and people just are paralyzed. But um, I found that the security industry in our security community in Dublin is a really collaborative community and I've made some really really great lifelong friends um, within that community and anybody trying to get into the industry today strongly recommend you know making sure that you build your network and reach out to people because the people in this community are some of the friendliest people that you'll ever meet and nobody will ever say no to you to meeting up with a, for a cup of coffee or giving you some advice. The worst thing that can happen is you don't get a response, but if you don't ask, you will never know. Yeah. And you just don't know what that might lead to. You might not get anything out of it straight away, but you know, who's to say that in years to come, something might not happen with it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Michelle. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Livin. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Women in Security podcast brought to you by Morgan McKinley. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. My name is Leif and Tan and we'll chat soon.